Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gomison with the Speaking for Him podcast. Today, we will be delving into part three of the Pilgrim's Progress. So I hope that you are as excited as I am to continue Christian's journey to the Celestial City. But before we get to that, I want to share with you a little bit about what is going on. All right, well, there was an article that was published on March 10th by the New York Post, and it recently came to my attention, and I want to spend a few minutes just talking a little bit about it. First, I'm going to go ahead and just read a couple paragraphs. This article is about a New York City school that encourages kids to stop using words like mom and dad and change it up for more inclusive language. And I'm just going to start by reading a couple paragraphs here of the article. It says, A Manhattan private school aiming to use more inclusive language is encouraging its students to stop using the terms mom, dad, and parents because the words make assumptions about kids' home lives. The Grace Church School in NoHo, which offers academic courses for junior kindergarten through 12th grade, issued a 12-page guide to students and staff explaining the school's mission of inclusivity. The detailed guide recommends using the terms grown-ups, folks, family, or guardians as alternatives to mom, dad, and parents. It also suggests using caregiver instead of nanny or babysitter. Now, on the surface, this may seem like a very small deal, and I know there are a lot of people that will probably say that. But the reason that I bring this article up, and I'll put the whole article on my blog, so please take the time to read the whole thing when you get a chance. But the reason that I bring this up is because when I started speaking for him, it was because I wanted to encourage people to live more boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the main areas of burden that I had, which I think started somewhere along the lines of my later high school years and into college was how I saw the family being attacked in society. And I truly believe, folks, that this is yet another attack on the family. When God ordained the family, he ordained a mother and a father and children to form the family, which is the foundation of all societies because families make up neighborhoods, neighborhoods make up towns, towns make up states, states make up the United States, and countries make up the world. But even just specifically thinking about our country, we're only as strong as our families. And as we get further and further away from the blueprint of God's word when it comes to the family, we will just have more and more chaos. And this is just an, a further example of that. You know, a lot of times we, we react to these individual things and we say, how could they? But I think it's just a further call to us to make sure that our foundation is sure through Jesus Christ and through his word. The thing that alarms me probably most about this whole story is this school is called Grace Church School and is in fact an Episcopalian school. So these Episcopalians 
who profess to know the Lord, who profess to follow the word of God, are straying away from the terms that the word of God gives us. The word of God talks a lot about fathers and mothers. So these are not just terms. These are defining characteristics. These are roles that God has for each of us to do. So as we consider this, I would urge you not to just shrug this off and say it's just a little thing. Because each little thing ends up rolling into one big thing. I know I've used this analogy before, but I feel a lot of times, like here in the U.S., we're kind of like the frog in the water. If you put a frog in a pan of water and the water's lukewarm, but you turn it up five degrees every few minutes, pretty soon the frog is boiling and he doesn't know what to do. And I feel like that's where we are as a culture. And this New York, New York school that claims to be Christian, this, this Episcopalian school, to allow themselves to be overtaken by these politically correct terms is very sad indeed. The only way to stop the chaos is to go back to God's blueprint for the family. I feel so strongly about this that I wrote a book several years ago called Men of Valor. It was published first as an ebook, I believe in 2014, and recently was republished in a soft cover version. You can get information about that on my website, and if you go to Amazon.com and type in Men of Valor, you can purchase it there. Remember, my friends, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. In the first part of Pilgrim's Progress, even, we heard from worldly wise man. He had a simpler way, quote-unquote, for Christian to relieve his burden. And yet, ultimately, it wasn't simpler because it caused him to go out of the way, and to get into trouble. An evangelist had to come and pull him back on the road. And I feel like that's something that God has called me to do in a very small way, is to pull people back to the blueprint of Scripture. I don't say these things because what I have to say is important. I say them because what God has to say is important. Well, I know that I have shared a lot of hard-hitting, difficult news in the past few weeks, so I wanted to share with you something fun that I discovered yesterday when I was looking through Facebook. Bethany Hamilton, who... If you're not sure who she is, quick synopsis. She was, I think, an 11 or 12-year-old competitive surfer who lost her arm in a shark attack and then later went on to surf again with one arm. And she and her husband just welcomed their third child. Well, she and her husband have written a book together 
a children's book, and she said they've been reading it a lot with their kids lately, and she wanted to share it with her fans. And so she posted a link for this book on YouTube of she and her husband reading to their son. And so I thought it would be fun to share this video with you. something to say. Remember, we all fall along the way. You need to get up. You need to be brave. Go out there again and catch a new wave. The great wave she searched for is finally here. It's big and it's strong. She has no fear. and doubts start to come your way. Be unstoppable. That's what Makana would say. Speaking for Him Readers Theater now proudly presents part three of Pilgrim's Progress, featuring the voice talents of Craig Apel as John Bunyan, Alex Jacobson as Christian, Allison Dink Brito as the Shining Ones, Andrew Gomison as Simple, Laurel Dykema as Sloth, Melissa Peerbel Heldman as Presumption, Andrew Gomison as Formalist, Allison Dink Brito as Hypocrisy, Charity Gomison as Timorous, Samuel Wilson as Mistrust, Watchful is played by Timothy Van Bruggen, Laurel Dykema portrays Discretion, and Melissa Pierbolt Heldman as Prudence. And all this is produced by Caleb Thiessen. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall, and that wall was called salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, 
And upon that place stood a cross, and a little below, in the bottom, a sepulchre. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble, and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre, where it fell in, and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome, and said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then he stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked therefore and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. Now as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him. Peace be to thee. So the first one said to him, Thy sins be forgiven thee. The second stripped him of his rags and clothed him with change of raiment. The third also set a mark in his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it, which he bade him look on as he ran, and that he should give it in at the celestial gate. So they went their way. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on singing. Thus far I did come laden with my sin. Not could aught ease the grief that I was in. Till I came hither, what a place is this? Must here be the beginning of my bliss. Must hear the burden fall from off my back. Must hear the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed sepulchre, blessed rather be the man that there was put to shame for me. I saw then in my dream that he went on thus even until he came at a bottom where he saw a little out of the way three men fast asleep with fetters upon their heels. The name of the one was Simple, another Sloth, and the third Presumption. Christian then, seeing them lie in this case, went to them. If peradventure he might awake them, and cried, You are like them that sleep on the top of a mast, for the dead sea is under you, a gulf that hath no bottom. Awake, therefore, and come away, be willing also, and I will help you off with your irons. If he that goeth about like a roaring lion comes by, you will certainly become a prey to his." With that, they looked upon him and began to reply in this sort. I see no danger. Yet a little more sleep. Every fat must stand upon its own bottom. What is the answer else I should give thee? (sighs) And so they lay down to sleep again, and Christian went on his way. Yet was he troubled to think that men in that danger should so little esteem the kindness of him that so freely offered to help them, both by awakening of them, counseling of them, and proffering to help them off with their irons. And as he was troubled thereabout, he espied a couple coming tumbling over the wall on the left hand of the narrow way, and they made up a pace to him. The name of one was Formalist, and the name of the other Hypocrisy. So, as I said, they drew up unto him, who thus entered with them into discourse. Whence come you, and whither go you? 
We were born in the land of vainglory, and are going for praise to Mount Zion. Why came you not in at the gate, which standeth at the beginning of the way? Know you not that it is written that he that cometh not in by the door, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber? Uh, to go to the gate for entrances by all our countrymen counted too far about, and that, therefore, your, their usual way was to make a shortcut of it, and to climb over the wall as we have done. But will it not be counted a trespass against the lord of the city, whether we are bound, thus to violate his revealed will? You need not trouble your head about that. It is a custom for our people to journey this way. We can produce a thousand years of testimony to this event. Will your practice stand a trial at law? This custom, it being of so long a standing as above a thousand years, would, doubtless, now be admitted as a thing legal by any impartial judge. Beside that, if we get into the way, what's matter which way we get in? If we are in, we are in. Thou art but in the way who, as we perceive, came in at the gate, and we are also in the way that came tumbling over the wall. Wherein now is thy condition better than ours? I walk by the rule of my master. You walk by the rude working of your fancies. You are counted thieves already by the lord of the way. Therefore, I doubt you will not be found true men at the end of the way. You come in by yourselves without his direction and shall go out by yourselves without his mercy. To this they made him but little answer. Only they bid him look to himself. Then I saw that they went on every man in his way without much conference one with another, save that these two men told Christian that as to laws and ordinances, they doubted not, but they should as conscientiously do them as he. Therefore we see not wherein thou differest from us, but by thy coat that is on thy back, which as we trow, given thee by some of thy neighbors, to hide the shame of thy nakedness. By laws and ordinances you will not be saved, since you came not in by the door. And as for this coat that is on my back, it was given me by the lord of the place, whether I go, and that, as you say, to cover my nakedness with. And I take it as a token of his kindness to me, for I had nothing but rags before. And besides, thus I comfort myself as I go. Surely, think I, when I come to the gate of the city, the Lord, therefore, will know me for good, since I have his coat on my back, a coat that he gave me in the day that he stripped me of my rags. I have, moreover, a mark on my forehead, of which perhaps you have taken no notice, which one of my Lord's most intimate associates affixed there in the day that my burden fell off my shoulders. I will tell you moreover that I had then given me a roll, sealed to comfort me by reading as I go on the way. I was also bid to give it in at the celestial gate, in token of my certain going in after it. All which things I doubt you want, and want them because you came not in at the gate. To these things they gave him no answer, only they looked upon each other and laughed. Then I saw that they went on all, save that Christian kept before, who had no more talk but with himself, and that sometimes sighingly, and sometimes comfortably. Also, he would be often reading in the role that one of the Shining Ones had given him, by which he was refreshed. I beheld then that they all went on till they came to the foot 
of the Hill of Difficulty, at the bottom of which was a spring. There were also, in the same place, two other ways besides that which came straight from the gate. One turned to the left hand, and the other to the right at the bottom of the hill. But the narrow way lay right up the hill, and the name of the going up the side of the hill is called Difficulty. Christian now went to the spring and drank thereof to refresh himself, and then began to go up the hill, saying, The hill, though high, I covet to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend, for I perceive the way to life lies here. Come, pluck up heart, let's neither faint nor fear. Better though difficult the right way to go, than wrong though easy where the end is woe. The other two also came to the foot of the hill. But when they saw that the hill was steep and high, and that there were two other ways to go, and supposing also that these two ways might meet again, with that a Christian went, on the other side of the hill, therefore they were resolved to go in those ways. Now the name of one of those ways was danger, and the name of the other, destruction. So the one took the way which is called danger, which led him into a great wood, and the other took directly up the way to destruction, which led him into a wide field full of dark mountains, where he stumbled and fell and rose no more. I looked then after Christian to see him go up the hill, where I perceived he fell from running to going, from going to clambering up upon his hands and knees, because of the steepness of the place. Now about the midway to the top of the hill was a pleasant arbor made by the lord of the hill for the refreshing of weary travelers. Thither, therefore, Christian got, where also he sat down to rest him. Then he pulled his roll out of his bosom and read therein to his comfort. He also now began afresh to take a review of the coat or garment that was given him as he stood by the cross. Thus, pleasing himself a while, he at last fell into slumber, and thence into a fast sleep, which detained him in that place until it was almost night, and in his sleep his roll fell out of his hand. Now as he was sleeping, there came one to him and awaked him, saying, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. And with that, Christian suddenly started up and sped him on his way and went apace till he came to the top of the hill. And when he was got up to the top of the hill, there came two men running to meet him. The name of one was Timorous, and the name of the other was Trust. Sirs, what's the matter? You run the wrong way. We're going to the city of Zion, and we got up that difficult place. But the further we go, the more danger we meet with. Wherefore we turned and are going back again. Yes, for just before us lie a couple of lions in the way. Whether sleeping or waking, we know not. And we could not think if we came within reach, but they would presently pull us in pieces. You make me afraid, but whither shall I fly to be safe? If I go back to my own country, that is prepared for fire and brimstone, and I shall certainly perish there. If I can get to the celestial city, I am sure to be in safety there. I must venture. To go back is nothing but death. To go forward is fear of death, and life everlasting beyond it. I will yet go forward. 
So mistrust and timorous ran down the hill, and Christian went on his way. But thinking again of what he heard from the men, he felt in his bosom for his role that he might read therein and be comforted. But he felt and found it not. Then was Christian in great distress and knew not what to do, for he wanted that which used to relieve him and that which should have been his pass into the celestial city. Here, therefore, he began to be much perplexed and knew not what to do. At last he bethought himself that he had slept in the arbor that is on the side of the hill, and falling down upon his knees, he asked God's forgiveness for that his foolish act, and then went back to look for his role. But all the way he went back, who can sufficiently set forth the sorrow of Christian's heart? Sometimes he sighed, sometimes he wept, and oftentimes he chided himself for being so foolish to fall asleep in that place, which was erected only for a little refreshment for his weariness. Thus, therefore, he went back, carefully looking on this side and on that, all the way as he went. Haply he might find his role that had been his comfort so many times in this journey. He went thus till he came again within sight of the arbor where he had sat and slept. But that sight renewed his sorrow the more by bringing again, even afresh, his evil of sleeping into his mind. Thus, therefore, he now went on bewailing his sinful sleep, saying, O wretched man that I am, that I should sleep in the daytime, that I should sleep in the midst of difficulty, that I should so indulge the flesh as to use that rest for ease to my flesh, which the Lord of the hill hath erected only for the relief of the spirits of pilgrims. How many steps have I took in vain? Thus it happened to Israel for their sin. They were sent back again by the way of the Red Sea. I am made to tread those steps with sorrow, which I might have trod with delight had it not been for this sinful sleep. How far might I have been on my way by this time? I am made to tread those steps thrice over, which I needed not to have trod but once. Yea, now also I am like to be benighted, for the day is almost spent. Oh, that I had not slept! Now by this time he was come to the arbor again, where for a while he sat down and wept. But at last, as Christian would have it, looking sorrowfully down under the settle, there he espied his role the which he with trembling and haste catched up and put it into his bosom. But who can tell how joyful this man was when he had gotten his role again? For this role was the assurance of his life and acceptance at the desired haven. Therefore he laid it up in his bosom, gave thanks to God for directing his eye to the place where it lay, and with joy and tears betook himself again to his journey. But oh, how nimbly now did he go up the rest of the hill. Yet before he got up, the sun went down upon Christian. And this made him again recall the vanity of his sleeping to his remembrance. And thus he again began to condole with himself. Oh, thou sinful sleep, how for thy sake am I like to be benighted in my journey? I must walk without sun. Darkness must cover the path of my feet, and I must hear the noise of the doleful creatures because of my sinful sleep. Now also he remembered the story that mistrust and timorous told him of, how they were frighted with the sight of the lions. Then said Christian to himself again, These beasts range in the night for their prey, 
And if they should meet with me in the dark, how should I shift them? How should I escape being by them torn in pieces? Thus he went on his way. But while he was thus bewailing his unhappy miscarriage, he lift up his eyes, and behold, there was a very stately palace before him, the name of which was Beautiful, and it stood just by the highway side. So I saw in my dream that he made haste and went forward, that if possible he might get lodging there. Now before he had gone far, he entered into a very narrow passage, which was about a furlong off the porter's lodge, and looking very narrowly before him as he went, he espied two lions in the way. I see the dangers that mistrust and timorous were driven back by. The lions were chained, but he saw not the chains. Then he was afraid and thought also to himself to go back after them, for he thought nothing but death was before him. But the porter at the lodge, whose name is Watchful, perceiving that Christian made a halt as if he would go back, cried unto him, saying, Is thy strength so small? Fear not the lions, for they are chained, and are placed there for trial of faith where it is, and for discovery of those that have none. Keep in the midst of the path, and no hurt shall come unto thee. Then I saw that he went on, trembling for fear of the lions, but taking good heed to the directions of the porter. He heard them roar, but they did him no harm. Then he clapped his hands and went on till he came and stood before the gate where the porter was. Sir, what house is this? And may I lodge here tonight? This house was built by the Lord of the Hill, and he built it for the relief and security of pilgrims. Where do you come from, and to where are you going? I am come from the city of destruction, and I am going to Mount Zion. But because the sun is now set, I desire, if I may, to lodge here tonight. What is your name? My name is now Christian, but my name at first was Graceless. I come from the race of Japheth, who God will persuade to dwell in the tents of Shem. But how doth it happen that you come so late? The sun is set. I had been here sooner, but that wretched man that I am, I slept in the arbor that stands on the hillside. Nay, I had notwithstanding that been here much sooner, but that in my sleep I lost my evidence and came without it to the brow of the hill, and then feeling for it and finding it not, I was forced with the sorrow of heart to go to the place where I slept my sleep, where I found it, and now I am come. Well, I will call out one of the virgins of this place who will, if she likes your talk, bring you in to the rest of the family, according to the rules of the house. So, watchful, the porter rang a bell, at the sound of which came out at the door of the house a grave and beautiful damsel named Discretion. What was I called? This man is in a journey from the city of destruction to Mount Zion, but being weary and benighted, he asked me if he might lodge here tonight. So I told him I would call for thee, who, after discourse had with him, mayest do as seemeth thee good, even according to the law of the house. Then she asked him whence he was, and whither he was going, and he told her. She asked him also how he got into the way, and he told her. Then she asked him what he had seen and met with in the way, and he told her. What is your name? It is Christian. And I have so much the more a desire to lodge here tonight, because 
By what I perceive, this place was built by the Lord of the Hill for the relief and security of pilgrims. So she smiled, but the water stood in her eyes. And after a little pause, she said, I will call forth two or three more of the family. So she ran to the door and called out Prudence, Piety, and Charity, who after a little more discourse with him, had him into the family, and many of them meeting him at the threshold of the house. Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. This house was built by the Lord of the Hill on purpose to entertain such pilgrims in. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 